Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to the NRL Show, Episode 9. I'm your host, Dan Frost, and as always, I'm joined by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, we've got a full house. We've got Stacey, we've got Alex, and we've got Pierre. Uh, straight off the top, we're just going to do a little bit of a health check on some of our teams as the NRL season, uh, well, regular season, comes to a close. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Stacey. How are your St. George Illawarra Dragons looking? Oh, look, you know... It's actually, I really like this part of the year because uh, you've got the best teams playing for obviously premiership and top four. And then you've got other teams that are just trying not to end on a bad note. And, uh, you know, despite the Dragons playing the Roosters today and they, you know, they went down 40 40 to 22, I think it was, um, there was some good talent that came through. So it wasn't all bad. Uh, Matt Dufty returned. Uh, you know, not that he's going to be here next year, but uh, it was nice to see some of the young kids just have a good run around. Alex, what about yourself? Uh, so your reserve grade team, your Sydney Roosters come out there, obviously a host of injuries, a uh, lot, lot of new faces there, but still able to get the job done? Yeah, I mean, I think that's on the back of Tedesco. I mean, he's just kind of shone through, like, as we've said, you know, on podcasts before, he's been kind of that leader. Um, you know, they had another injury go down today. So they're just, <laughs> there's something in the water at that club right now that the boys got to stop drinking, especially come, you know, finals. No, he is, uh, he's a handy fullback, that's for sure. And Pierre, what about your Manly uh, crew? Obviously had a little scare with Tom Travojevic. Looks like he's just going to miss one week, but they were still able to uh, yeah go out and get the job done. Yeah, the Seagulls did a, an amazing job again this week. Um, obviously, Trebojevic out for another week. I'm hoping that we'll see him back in sooner rather than later. Um, uh, later, sorry. Uh, obviously, coming into semis, we want to keep him quite healthy. So, at the moment, I think for the Seagulls, they're going. They're having a really good run coming into semis. Yeah, and for me, uh, as a Knights fan, uh, look, you know, you, you don't love to see your team beat the, uh, you know, the team coming last by only six points, but, uh, you know, that that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Um, yeah, it's been well spoken about. Our coach has covered it a fair bit. Our attack is, is an absolute mess at the moment. So, um, you know, th- this is why coaches get paid the big bucks. He, he's uh, He's got to go back in the lab. He's got to figure it out. We've got the players there. I don't want to hear any excuses. Let's go out there next week and uh, start scoring some points. Okay, and let's jump into our first segment, The Huddle. So uh, for our new listeners, The Huddle is where we take a deep dive into a uh, particular team. And this week we focus on a side that had uh, big expectations with a new co- with a new coach coming into the system. But uh, yeah, they've uh, struggled a little bit so far this year. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team. And we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. Yeah, that's right. And this week we're going up north to Queensland and we're going to be featuring the Brisbane Broncos. Stacey, we'll start with you. What's your thoughts on their season? Obviously, um, you know, Kevin Walters coming to the club, a, a club legend. Um, you know, he was he's obviously looking to turn things around. But, um, yeah, things have been a little bit difficult for the Broncos in season 2021. 
They've had a they've had an up and down sort of season. You know, Kevy Walters coming in. You know, he had he had to undo a whole heap of badness that's that's been at that club for the last couple of years. You know, and they've had to be pretty resilient this whole time. Um, but what I really like is they've sort of come into their own this back end of the season, and they're starting to look really good, which I like. Alex, um, you know, one of the things that has frustrated Broncos fans is, um, you know, that they have one of the biggest uh, junior nurseries in the competition. And there's a couple of names that uh, that they've sort of let go that has upset fans. What's your thoughts on, you know, some of the, the, the retention challenges that this club has had, you know, over the last couple of seasons? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, that's tough to lose when you have like what seems to be a great kind of underpinning into your professional league if you can't recognize that as a professional club and you're not going out there and you're not kind of signing these kids that you're developing as juniors and you're letting them walk to other clubs, you're kind of missing the point of your junior league, right? You're missing the point of having it, right? Which is to bolster your seniors, which is to bolster that professional comp that you have. Um, So that way you can kind of feed in year, year in and year out. So you're not missing any holes. So for them to kind of let these kind of kids go and these star kind of players you kind of wonder what the front office is doing you know obviously other teams recognize their development in their junior stage is good otherwise these other clubs wouldn't be coming in and trying to poach them Pierre what's your thoughts because you know if we look at um you know some of the media obviously the big ones you know losing Reese Walsh losing Sam Walker these are things that you know really upset the fan base but you know even still you know that it appears the Broncos are still having issues retaining some of their juniors. I'm hearing a couple of young forwards, Xavier and De La Salva, uh, appear to have been poached uh, by the Sydney Roosters. What's your thoughts on juniors? You know, it sh- is your expectation that the NRL club should be able to identify their elite talent or is it a little bit more difficult than that? No, I actually agree with what Alex was saying in the sense of like, uh, you know, developing these young players from grassroots right through to the professional league. Uh, we see it in NFL. We see it in um, in some of the other sports, and I think I think Broncos are having that missing link with having t- to recognise these talents at an earlier stage, and I guess as well not having senior players in the team to be able to foster that talent coming through and and, and have as a sense of um, I guess a leadership a leader on the field to be able to. Hop- hold their, not hold their hands as such, but be able to lead them into what the standards are in this league. Stacey, it appears to be a big problem. And uh, I guess if we look at their signings, um, we were having a bit of a chat earlier. It appears that one of their most important signings may not necessarily be a player. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, we were saying before, you know, it's all really come down to that combination between Kevin Walters and Ben Eichen. Um So, you know, when, the news came out that Ben was going to step up into the front office and, and try to steer the ship, essentially. Um, they've done such a great job in turning the team around because essentially they had to sh- restructure the entire the entire um, team, especially when it came to salary cap kind of pressures um, and just fixing everything that had been coming undone for the Broncos for so long and it was so sad to see. But Ben Eichens really stepped up and um, really just led led the Broncos on this forwards trajectory, which we like to see uh, coming to the end of regular season. 
Yeah, Alex, it, it is fair. You know, Ben's come in and he's drawn a line in the sand. He's let a couple of, you know, big-name player, uh, players go. Um, and, and I'm trying, you know, although they've let a lot of really talented players go, there's still a lot of talent within the team. So if we look through their player list, they're a very young side. Uh, but players like Tessie New, uh, Selwyn Cobbo, Jordan Rickey, uh, Thomas Flegler, a player that's caught my eye and, and, and a lot of people within the competition is a guy like Katoni Staggs. Whilst he is a centre, you know, he could be a player that the Broncos could build around over the next couple of years. Um, yeah, I think he, he's been a standout kind of player for them in kind of the last kind of couple of games. And I think if you're going to look to kind of who's that player that can be the face of your franchise, who's that player that you can have lead these youngsters kind of coming in and such a young squad. And I think he's someone that can, can step up and take that responsibility. Stacey, um, you know, one of the things that the the club got criticized was, uh, you know, I guess trying to, I guess they underestimated the value of a player like Nico Hines. You know, if, if media reports are to be believed, they, they offered him $300,000, uh, which, as we know now, is massive unders. And, you know, you can see why he didn't take that. Will the Broncos learn from their mistakes? Uh, you know, we're hearing that, they, that they're in negotiations with a guy like Joey Manu. Is he a player they should be targeting? Is he worth a million dollars? What would you do if you were in the Broncos situation? Is Joey Manu uh, a player that you would go after? No, I don't think I, I don't think I would. Um, purely because I think that they've got enough talent in there. You know, uh, Albert Kelly is really a guy that stood out for me this season. You know, he's only played five games, but every time they've played, um, he's made the team competitive. And he first jumped on the scene because um, he was playing over in the Super League. I think it was for a while. Um, I think his very first game, you know, they won against the Roosters in round 11 um, and he was playing 5-8 and he was just explosive, you know. So I think that Joey going out to find someone like Joey Manu isn't going to solve the problem, um, but looking more inside at some of these players that potentially would change the style of offence, um, you know, especially to have such a young team might actually be useful. Invest in what you have, you know, and, you know, if we're talking about junior pathways, do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, let's take a bit of a look at their – well, it's prediction times. Let's have a look at their, their predicted record for next season. Uh, Stacey, we'll start with you. What's your expectations for this team uh, next season? Despite losing some some of these big-name players like Tavita Bangai and Anthony Milford and Reese Walsh and everyone that we've talked about so far, I really think that adding Adam Reynolds is – bang for their money. I think that he's going to change their game in a way that they haven't been able to play in a very long time. Um, so that's going to be really good. Kurt, Kurt Capewell, I really like because he's, he's super dependable. Um, you know, he played origin. He's got that leadership aspect. Um, you know, so let's, like I said, if they invest well, they could potentially go on a, you know, a better streak than what they have done. But if they keep this form that they have now and just add in those players, that just benefits them. So I see them, having a really good season next year. Alex, um, you know, when I look at this particular team, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, any team with Payne Haas uh, is definitely, you know, a a team that can win games. But for me, I I still think they're going to be battling it out around 12th. Um, I just still have concerns that they haven't, establish their spine and that's that's going to be crucial for next year they're going to have to you know keep someone in that fullback role for the entire season they're going to have to find a partner for adam reynolds and keep him there so whether it's tyson 
uh, whether it's Albert Kelly, whether they go out and get someone else, it's the whole season that they need. And then Jake Turpin, he really needs to step up and show that he can have a full season there at hooker. So for me, I'm going to be predicting a 12th place finish for the Broncos. But Alex, what's, what's your thoughts on, on next season for the Broncos? Oh, look, I agree with you. I think they need that spine there. They need that core kind of group of players that they can build off and build around that has some sort of experience. I think Reynolds is going to bring in some of that. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, as you said, who they pair him with, right? Who is going to who is going to really kind of feed off him? Who is going to work well with him? And I think that might take half a season, if not a full season. I think you could see maybe a kind of a spur at the end of next year from them if they kind of figure it out early on, if preseason works well, if they get those kind of relationships down, um, if they can establish that spine early on in the season, it'll take, there'll be growing pains, right? They've been aggressive in their signings. I think they've done pretty well. Um, But yeah, as you said, it's going to be that spine that they're going to need to kind of grow and enhance and make sure that that's, fundamentally sound before they can actually start, I think, producing kind of a winning season. So I think it, I see them kind of being lower at the end of the table next year, but definitely seeing kind of a spur on the back half of the season that'll take them into the season after that. Pierre, what's your thoughts on this one? To to Alex's point, you know, to crack into that top eight, you've got to be consistently winning football. And to Alex's point, you know, that's going to be particularly challenging for the Broncos to, you know, go through all of these changes and hit the ground running early on in the season. What's your predictions for them next year? Yes, so I, again, I agree with, with both Stacey and Alex, but obviously going off the back of what Alex was saying is that it's going to take some time for the Broncos to really be able to get the combinations right, make sure and obviously get the halves combinations right. And, um, you know, you look at the likes of like the Sydney Roosters, Melbourne Storms, like they're like, they've been in the top four, if not top six for a long time. So in order for us to see the Broncos up there, it's going to take a lot of, uh, work on their end to try and make sure that they've got the right team, they've got the right players and the right combination. So I think if not next season and definitely the season after 2023, I think um, I'd be happy to say that I'd like to see them in the top 12. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our next segment now, which is the match. Now, Uh, As we know, in the match each week, we put two players up against each other, uh, 1v1, to see who comes out on top. And this week, we have the battle of the new age forward. Uh, So the lock position has kind of changed with with these recent uh, rule changes. So uh, tonight, we we place two of the best locks in the game up against each other to see who comes out on top. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, and we promised two of the best in the game, and we have delivered. Uh, tonight, we're going to see Cameron Murray uh, go up against Victor Radley. Uh, Stacey, again, uh, two of the best players in the competition. Uh, we want to start with Cam Murray. Talk to us a little bit about his season so far and just what, you, what, you, what your thoughts are on him as a player. Oh, Cameron Murray just has the most amazing production. Like every time he's on the field, he seems to really be able to control the middle really well, which allows the backs to really shine. You know, he's he's an origin player. He's so young. He's potentially, you know, tipped to be captaining New South Wales in the next couple of years, if not Australia, one day. Um, you know, no stage has been too big for him. Um, and between these two, it's a battle of the defensive side of the ball for me because, you know, in terms of, you know, what makes a really good rugby player, rugby league player is, you know, the highlights really come from the big hits. 
you know, and he can lay them on bed as, as well as Radley for sure. But what I really like about him is just his ability to support his team, um, you know, coming in on that extra man as a tackle, you know, pushing forward, trying to gain some yards. He's just an every, every man kind of player, which I love. Pierre, you know, you look at a position like the forwards. I mean, there's not too many uh, halves, you know, across the game. You know, there's quite a scarcity, you know, in that particular position. But when it comes to forwards, there's a lot of players in that position. I remember chatting to, to Cam uh, in his first year and just that level of maturity. Uh, I felt like I was talking to someone who'd been in the game for 10 or 15 years. He's undersized. He, he's not the biggest athlete you've ever seen. In your opinion, what makes Cameron Murray so special? I think for Cameron Murray in particular, I love the way that um, obviously the way he plays, as Stacey was saying, but I like the fact that you've got your two halves, you obviously got your hooker, but um, seeing someone like Cameron Murray be able to get in there and still be that third or extra ball player in the middle. Yeah, Alex, uh, you know, Cam, Cam's a little bit uh, in front of his time because, you know, I, I guess a season or two after he, he hit first grade, uh, to Pierre's point, the game kind of changed. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of these locks, they become smaller with the rule changes um, and you want someone that can certainly ball play. But one of the things that Cam Murray has really, uh, I guess, made a big part of his game, he's, he's got the fastest play the ball in the competition. Talk to us a little bit about why that's so important uh, in today's game. I think with like the ever-evolving rule changes and how quick the game is, you're either going to catch up or you're going to get left behind. Um, so I think for someone like him who is able to play the ball as quickly as he can, especially getting out to his backs or those supporting runners beside him, like that's key in a game that's kind of trying to stay fast-paced and keep, keep evolving as it does. Stacey, we look at his stats this year. So he's played you know, r- roughly 16 games um, at club level. Um, He's played three State of Origin games. I'm looking at my sheet here. He's only lost three games all season. So, you know, obviously he's playing in in, in high-quality teams and they've got to take a lot of credit. But, I mean, the common thread here is he's a winner um, and certainly has a big influence on the teams in which he plays in. For sure. And I think that's got a lot to do with the fact that in oftentimes he's playing with you know, players from his own team. So his, you know, like Pierre was saying, you know, Murray's most effective when he starts and finishes the game at lock. So he can really bring in, you know, working with Cook and Cody Walker. So when he's playing with Damien Cook at Origin, it's, you know, he, he's just got that chemistry. So I, in part, he's an, a phenomenal athlete. You know, if you look at some of his stats defensively, he's amazing. Um but also, you know, his footwork, his play the ball speed, you know, they're both equally as important. Um, so nothing has been too big for him. But I don't think that, I mean, he's a great player, but he's supported by a great supporting cast at the same time. Pierre, let's have a look now at his competitor tonight. And he's coming up against a bit of a scallywag in Victor Radley. Um, you know, if we look at his game, it reminds me a little bit about, it reminds me a little bit of your game, Pierre. He just loves getting in there, into the tough stuff, putting on a shot and making a bit of a name for himself. He loves the defensive side of the game. What's your thoughts on Victor Radley? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, I feel honoured that I've been compared to him. (laughs) Um, I mean, he's unlucky this year because he didn't get to play for the origin due to other circumstances. But, um, yeah, I think he's a great player in the game currently in the lock position. 
So this is your this is your football team now. You know, unbelievably, the Roosters are going to play finals football, but you know they're going to play some some big quality games. Um, to Pierre's point, you know that's got to sting, Victor, because you know I feel like he probably should have played State of Origin last year. He was definitely going to get a start this year until he was suspended. You know, what's what's your thoughts? You know, he's currently. He's currently, you know, out again. He's going to come back in and around that finals time. What's your thoughts on Victor Radley and the impact that he could have on the final series? Oh, look, he's someone I love watching play as a Roosters fan. Is it, you know, when you see him kind of come up and make those big tackles, you know, you get very excited because he's that consistent player. He's going to consistently make those big tackles. But also on the other side of that, you know, you got to question his decision-making, I think, sometimes, especially when he's going into those tackles. You know, you you watch those hits and you go, especially with the rule changes and, you know, that where they're cracking down on kind of that high shoulder charge. At this point, there should be no excuses um, as far as kind of understanding that rule and adjusting to that rule. And I think if he's going to make an impact as far as finals football when he comes back, he needs to adjust his tackling. He's great for those big hits. But he like that's the rule, and he's going to get pulled up with that rule every single time he goes high with his shoulder. So uh, if he wants to make an impact in finals, he's got to adjust, and he's got to be a little bit more sound, I think, on his tackles. Stacey, uh, as Alex spoke about, you know, the, the game, it's been a weird season. You know, we, obviously the game was officiated differently at the start of the season, so any sort of uh, contact led to sin bins, and uh, I feel personally like Victor was, you know, made an example of, you know, with, with, with that with that big suspension. Things have eased off a little bit, to, but to Alex's point, he's going to have to be very, very careful when he returns. And and how do you balance that as a player? Because one of the things that Trent Robinson won't want to lose out of Victor Radley is his aggression in defense. Yeah, look, that's exactly right. You know, Alex hit the nail on the head. You know, it, we're at the stage now where he can't revert back to his old school way of tackling. Um, it's just not safe. And But in part, I think it, he does it because he focuses so much on making those big plays. You know, he's often at times those big hits or those game changes, especially when he needs someone to stand up. So he feels that pressure. And because he's so young, you know, uh, you, you just fall into that muscle, muscle memory and that mentality and you're trying to make the big play and that's all you can think about right now. So you're going to go in and just just do it, just let your body do it. Um, and too often we find that that's, that's his downfall. You know, he's such an enforcer and such an X factor and we all love watching him, him play. But it's his lack of discipline at times that's really just gotten him in trouble. Yeah. Um, no. So it's just... I think it's just a mindset thing. You know, once he can retrain the body to tackle more effectively and safer, he's going to be a standout player for years to come. Yeah, and hopefully he can stay away from that judiciary for, uh, yeah, for, for quite a few seasons. I, I think he's he's had his fair share. All right, guys, well, look, it's, it's time to pick uh, this one in the match. It's going to be tricky, two quality players. Uh, Pierre, going to start with you. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on this one, Cameron Murray or Victor Radley? Definitely think, it, for me, my pick tonight would be Cameron Murray, just based on like how disciplined he is, how, how well he plays in the game as a third ball player and just down to consistency. Yeah, no, look, that, that's, a, that's a fair call. Um, look, for me, I'm I'm going to go with uh, Cam Murray as well, although I did think he was a little bit quiet in the State of Origin series, and that's just because he's a great player. So my bar for him is a little bit higher than your traditional forward. So he was outstanding. He he defended really well. He did his job. He was outstanding. But I guess, you know, uh, Cam Murray, I just get a bit of a sense that there is a next level 
in him. And I think hopefully over the off season, you know, he continues to train, continues to develop, continues to get these experience of big games that he can take his game to that next level. Because yeah, I think there's, I think he's got a little bit more to give uh, there in Cam Murray. But yeah, I've, I've got to go with him. Stacey, what's your thoughts? We've got two Cameron Murrays so far. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one? Look, Radley is, you know, re- really enigmatic and fun and, you know, he'll definitely go to bat with you, you know, anytime that you need him to. But, you know, Murray's just that consistent, you know, Joey Johns has tipped him to be, you know, one of the best that there ever has been. Um, he's just doing everything right and he's so disciplined. So he wins it by a little bit for me. So Cam Murray it is. Alex, noting that Victor Radley is an avid listener of the podcast, uh, we'll ask you as a Rooster supporter, um, who, who, who do you pick in this one, Cam Murray or Victor Radley? Oh, look, as a recent supporter, I got to go with uh, Victor Radley. I mean, as a fan, you love watching those big hits where you kind of sit on the couch going, oh, I felt that myself. And he's that kind of player. And he just brings so much energy, I think, to the, to the squad. And he's such a character kind of on and off the field. And I think that's what attracts fans and why they like him so much. For, but for me, as far as kind of that big hit playmaker, it's got to be Victor Radley. All right, guys, and to round out the show, it's time for Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're fire tonight we're going to be discussing a bit of an interesting topic so um if we we're in charge of an nrl team that needed a new head coach i'm not going to say sacked maybe uh maybe a, a coach has has decided to retire uh get away uh, find themselves a beach and uh put their feet up who would be the next head coach up so stacy gonna start with you um if you had your choice who would be the next head coach that you'd like to see get a gig in the nrl now I did a little bit of bit of research on this and, you know, for me there's more to being an effective coach than being an excellent player. And what I've found, you know, over the years, you know, we're constantly talking about coaches and why, you know, why are the same coaches just moving from club to club and it's so nepotistic to a point. You know, it's just, oh, I was a great rugby league player. Oh, my mate was a really good rugby league player. Oh, he could train us. And this is how coaches typically get moved through the system. Um, so someone I looked at, looked up, I really wanted to get an eye general idea of someone who could manage the boardroom as well as he could manage the players. You know, he's been able, he's been able to manage the politics and, and all that sort of stuff. So I've come up with, uh, Kristen, Kristen Wolf from St. Helens. You know, he was also the Tongan coach for Great the World choice. Cup. Um, you know, he's over in the Super League. Uh, he's a guy who's familiar with the politics of sport. And uh, between the board and his players, and he's come out on top. The championship record um, that he has could go definitely go a long way to a club that's suffering right now. So you know maybe your Broncos or something like that, depending on where Kevin Walters ends up um, at the end of it. You know, it's just I think that he's a great choice. He's young, he's experienced, he's effective, he's innovative, he's got fresh ideas. I think that that's what NRL needs right now. Yeah, no, look, it's a it's a great. It's a great choice, and uh, it's interesting that you pick up the off-the-field stuff because not a lot of people think about that. They think it's just X's and O's and, 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 and running running a squad, whereas we know that you've got to deal with everything. And, you know, what Christian's been through, uh, you know, with the Tongan situation, that's been pretty pretty full-on. But, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a people manager. Um, I think he inspires his players. You, you, look at, you look at guys like Andrew Fafita, Jason Tamalolo, who you know gave up all of the big bucks to go and join Tonga, um, and then obviously he's gone over to the UK and is having success there 
uh, with St. Helens. So, no, that's a great choice. Um, Alex, same question to you. Um, if you were out on the market, uh, who would be your uh, selection there for head coach? Oh, I like the Walker brothers. You know, I think they've done a great job as far as kind of a, a win ratio and kind of establishing that that club there. Um, I think when you kind of like do some research on them, you kind of one thing that's key for them is kind of making sure that those pairings on the field are right. You know, they believe in in kind of um, that style of attacking football and making sure that the key components of the game are paired and matched well and that's on and off the field so I think it's kind of interesting when you kind of look at their experience and you know look at the players that they've that they've had the opportunity to coach you know they're so focused on kind of that player development that I think they understand coaching as a whole you know at the end of the day that's so key if you can coach players on and off the field because I think some coaches forget about that aspect and I think maybe that's why we see some issues off the field because they forget that they're so much more than just these NRL players, especially if they get injured, you know, what are they going to do? Um, so I think the Walker brothers kind of have a, a, an overall understanding as far as coaching, but they definitely have an, an interesting philosophy and way that they want to play kind of NRL footy. Yeah, look, I, I think they'll, uh, I think they're getting close to a job. I think they've interviewed for a few roles and um, have only just missed out, but I think they were seen as, you know, just, uh, you know, they're just so aggressive with, with their attacking philosophy. And a few years ago, that was just seen as being a little bit too out there. Well, since then, the game has just changed in benefit of their coaching philosophy. So uh, I think the game's moving more and more towards, uh, you know, what the Walker brothers excel at. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit different having having two, you know, brothers uh, there as head coach. That would, that would be quite unique. So I think there's a lot of people that would support that. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I, I think I think it's definitely in their future. So one to certainly keep an eye on. Uh, Pierre, same question to you. Uh, what head coach would you be chasing uh, for an NRL team? Uh, I actually was really interested in seeing uh, Shane Flanagan back up there again. I know over the last, obviously this year, didn't take any coaching gigs because of previous um, history, as we all know, um, with the Sharks. But I think it'd be really good to have him back in the game again and see what he could offer. I know currently he's with um, Fox League, Fox Sports, doing the commentating gig there. But again, I'd like to see him back up there just to see. Um, obviously, he's been he's he's been warranted his top position against um, Wayne Bennett. Uh, that's the talk amongst the fans out there that he's well deserving. So I'd like to see him back up there again. Yeah, and Pierre, I guess you know. Um... You know, a, a lot of a lot of people talk the talk, and 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 there's great coaches out there that that haven't been successful, and haven't got a premiership. You know, Shane helped uh, lead Cronulla to their first ever premiership in over 50 years, and they had some good players. They they definitely had some good players, but you know, they weren't absolutely stacked like a lot of the the powerhouses there. So, um, and yeah, you hear some of his analysis. Um, he, he very very smart coach. So no, I think I think you're right, and I think he's put his hand up to say, look, you know, next offer that comes his way. He's all in. So um, I think he's learned a lot of valuable lessons, and I think he'd be great for someone. Uh, look, for me, um, just a bit of a name that, that I'm sure people are familiar with, and that's Adrian Lamb. Um, you know, Adrian, you know, obviously, you know, he's been, you know, very, very established rugby league player himself. Um, you know, his young fella is, is in the Sydney Roosters system there, um, and he's done his apprenticeship in the NRL as a coach, and then he's gone off to the UK and done some great things there with Wigan. So, look, Adrian, I, I just think that, um, you know, that, that, uh, that coaching tree um, in and around that Sydney Roosters uh, system, I, I think it's I think it's a really really important one, and and we'll see next year as Craig Fitz 
Given takes on the Cronulla Sharks gig. You know, if he goes on and does great things, I think uh, that's going to, uh, you know, bring more attention to guys like Adrian Lamb. So, uh, no, excellent. There's a lot of good candidates out there. And um, unfortunately, the, the way, you know, professional sport goes, I'm sure there'll be a few vacancies there for some of these guys next year. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have uh, today. I just want to uh, thank my amazing panel, as always, um, always bringing the heat. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, tonight's episode. If you did, uh, please download, subscribe, go out, tell your friends, your family about the podcast, and find us on social media. We're available on all platforms. Please like, comment, send us some feedback. We love that. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.